What is up, podcast listeners? Thank you for giving me a few moments of your day to listen to this podcast. This is the Matt Baxter Show. I'm your host, Matt Baxter, and this podcast is about purpose, passion, and calling. Super stoked to have you as a listener because we're going to dive into some awesome, intense stories about people who are going through this journey of this thing called life, and we're all just figuring this out together. But seriously, you're giving me a little bit of your time, and I want to make sure it's valuable and worthwhile. So have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was getting this podcast off the ground, we first started as the Wedgecast, evolved into the Matt Baxter Show. There was a lot of questions that we had, like, how do I record an episode? How do I get my show in all the different places like Spotify, Apple Music, Anchor, Zencaster, all these different places. And yet it just seemed very, very complicated. But the simple thing for us as we began to navigate the waters is the answer to every single one of these questions, questions excuse me, was really simple. It's Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting, distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free. Yeah, free. And it's ridiculously easy to use. And now Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise in your podcast. That means you can get paid podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now. Yeah, making money. Okay, it's sweet. It's easy. It's not a big cheap plug on an ad, but it's just simple and easy to use. So for us, it's one of the best parts about it is we can do it entirely remote or in studio. So you can record, you've got that really, really high, you know, high in the sky person that you're going to have as a guest on your podcast. You got to do it remote. Anchor is easy to use. You got people who are willing to come to your studio, your house, your office, wherever you're recording it. Boom. Anchor. Love it. Simple, easy, simple and easy to use. So if you ever want to start a podcast, make money doing it, go to anchor.fm slash start. Join me in the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. Can't wait to hear your podcast. What's up, Wedgecast listeners? It's your boy, Matt Baxter here. I'm excited for this episode. I'm hitting it with a guy by the name of Jeff Riddle. So my mom one day, uh, she lives in East Grand Rapids and walks over to me and says, hey, uh, I think you should probably meet our neighbor, right? And I'm thinking, all right, mom, whatever. And then she says, no, no, seriously, I think you ought to meet him. I, I, I think he might be somebody you know you want to get to know. Well, I walked over, introduced myself. We chatted for a few minutes, grabbed coffee, and man, oh man, is mama always right because Jeff is one of the most brilliant human beings I've come across. He is just thinks at a super high intellectual level, but yet uh, somehow has a way of looking deep into your soul and knowing how well you're doing, and he's just fantastic. So he's uh, an author, podcast host. He's doing some amazing work in the executive coaching space. But not necessarily traditional ways, but in ways that are is really, really having an impact. So I like hanging out with Jeff. He's one of those human beings that I'm so lucky every time I get the chance to spend with him. And uh, I just think he's a good man. So Wedgecast listeners, enjoy this one. It's fun. It's awesome. Jeff is a good man. Well, Jeff, thanks for being a guest on the podcast. Yeah, great to be here. So we originally met uh, my mom, uh, and I think you and your wife lived across the street. And one day my mom walks up to me and says, yeah, I think you should get to know that Jeff guy. He's kind of, I think he's like a sports agent or something. And then we <laughs> briefly, we briefly met outside and then happened to understand that you're a much more in the startup world, which even more so intrigued me, sat down for coffee and kind of have been friends since. 
Yeah, that, that's exactly how it went. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I probably wasn't the athlete you were trying to book in the sporting world. <laughs> yeah, well, good, good thing I'm not in sports, so it worked out. <laughs> so, so, Jeff, give the background of your story. We'd love to hear it. Yeah, I mean, I, I uh, by, by day um, these days, and I do this from uh, Grand Rapids, Michigan, which is a real treat, but uh, by day I uh, work um, both as a, an executive coach and um and facilitator with uh, high growth venture back companies, primarily San Francisco and New York, but also um, throughout the country and, and even internationally. Um, and and um, I primarily do that through uh, a company that I'm a part of called Reboot. And uh, we, uh, uh, we're a leadership and development com- company primarily focused on coaching and then ancillary services to coaching. But uh, And then in addition to coaching and facilitation, um, I also uh, am part of the core team and, um, and running what we call our engagement management team. So I have these we were talking before we started recording. I've got these two full-time jobs, essentially, working with CEOs of high-growth companies while at the same time also um, helping to support and build the infrastructure of, of Reboot, uh, the company that I'm a part of internally as well. Um, and I guess uh, to, to your question about the story, um, you know, really uh, the quick and dirty on how I got here was um, uh, my whole life wanted to be a professional baseball player, and, um, and but academics was also very important to me. So it's an important piece in the story. But uh, um, I, uh, I got a chance to play collegiate baseball out in California and where I'm from and uh, had a really great career and, and it was looking quite likely that I'd get a chance to play professionally. Um, but uh, before the major league draft, uh, in both my junior year and my senior year of college, um, I had uh, season ending injuries. Um, and that uh, was really kind of a derailing experience for me because it, I didn't really know who I was after that um, and went on a series of different uh, adventures, including touring in a band, did some startup stuff, did some sales stuff, uh, mostly in and around just because I happened to be in Silicon Valley. Uh, most of everything I did thereafter happened to be in, uh, in Silicon Valley. And so I was just very lucky to be exposed to the startup community, um, get to know a lot of people in that world. Uh, and then through a, a series of very lucky, right place, right time, um, happened to uh, to be sitting next to one of the founders of Reboot, who uh, um, Became, was a big fan of mine and really pushed me to get into this work and uh, and uh, I've been doing it ever since and I, it's the first thing I've ever done in my life that um, outside of baseball where I, um, I actually have stuck it out for a long period of time um, from baseball to now which is about almost 20 years um, I just I probably switched to a new company or a new role or a new even career within uh, or industry or whatever um, about every it was nine months to about a year and a half so it was just this quick turnover and uh uh, but I found what I love. I really kind of refound the next, you know, let's call it kind of what I loved about baseball and um, certainly different, uh, but there's still a lot of similarities as well. And um, so, yeah, I'm just very grateful to be doing this work and met a nice gal from the Midwest in New York City when I was there for work. And um, we decided to move to the Midwest, which is how you and I met Matt and, uh, and started having kids and very happy to be uh, be planted here, but still get to do this work outside of the area too. Yeah, that's Amazing. So with, with coaching, are you more on the personal coaching side or are you more on the business coaching side? It's, well, so it's a great question. Um, the industry tends to delineate itself in one of, in, in uh, one side or the other business or personal. Um, so if you think of it as a spectrum on one end, you have the, uh, the executives or former founders or whoever who, or it's a second career for them. They've they've done had some successes and now they're going to coach, and it's very tactical. So it's very much um, 
kind of the how to do something. On the other end of the spectrum is uh, to the psychotherapists, the life coaches, and it's much more of the intrapersonal, um, and it's much more of the why, let's, let's say. Um, but but my worldview, and this is aligned with my organization with Reboot and my peers, um, we actually don't think you can be one or the other. Uh, because, you know, as many people listening know, and I'm sure as you know, Matt, as the CEO of a company, you can't separate the human being from the business. Um, and uh, you can't separate the CEO's experience and how they feel, how they make decisions, how they behave, um, and the way they identify within the organization from how the system and the culture develops in the organization. Those two things are not, are completely causal. And, uh, and so one of the challenges that we have as an organization at, at Reboot is that um, it's hard for us to find coaches that can really blend those two very beautifully in the middle. Uh, a metaphor we use, it's, it's sort of physics and engineering. Um, how to run a meeting, how to build out your org, how to, uh, how to raise money, that's all engineering. There's sort of a roadmap for it, follow steps. Um, and if you kind of follow those steps reasonably, Again, fundraising, perhaps not, but you know, as you've experienced, yeah, right, yeah, not the linear, right? That, yeah, but in I don't general, know. Anybody who pretends to have a path for that world is probably full of crap. I got to be honest. Yeah, as soon as I said that, I was like, ah, uh, that's not so true. But but you can kind of lay out like here's step one, step two, step three. It's not so linear, but there's there's kind of a best way to do things, generally speaking. Um, but if the CEO grew up in a borderline personality disorder family. And what BPD is, borderline personality disorder, um, would be uh, a parent who was, um, uh, I mean, it's a whole, it's a very complex thing, but, but I'm going to summarize it very simplistically. It's a parent who's just unpredictable. So one day they're totally fine. Like, you know, the child's playing with their toys. Mom comes home from work, totally happy. Everything's good. The next day mom comes home from work and just loses her, her, you know, stuff. She just loses it on the kid. Same situation. Um, the child can't, doesn't know how to make sense of that. Um, it's unpredictable. Well, they're, they'll grow up, and uh, sometimes you see this in Silicon Valley, where uh, they'll a borderline personality kind of affected executive is there, and they have this experience where one day everything's fine, and you know they're totally normal, and 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 everything's good, and the next day it's the same situation for their executives, for their entire team, and they just lose their shit, and uh, um, and they don't even know why, right? Um, that situation, there's no playbook. You can't just give them the Elon Musk playbook for running a company. There's much more complexity to their experience. So, um, so in that case, you can't. You have to work with them through that experience and how they relate and identify with this, these sensations and emotions that show up for them, um, which, as you can imagine, is really hard to do. So, so anyway, it's a long-winded answer, but I think it's an important answer because it's really. I think it's the magic of the work we do. Um, and I think it's what really has separated us in the market, and uh, and it's it's what is getting results is being able to, to really play from both sides. So on on that example of uh, the the CEO or executive borderline personality disorder, are you typically finding yourself working with people who want to be there or people who are required to have coaching with you? Oh, like we we will not work with somebody who's required. Okay. Um, okay. Yeah, that's the worst case scenario. It happens all the time. So like, a, you know, a board will call us, say, hey, we've got the CEO, they're screwing everything up. Um, we, we won't touch that with a 10 foot pole. Um, number one, because we can't, we can't help somebody that doesn't want to be helped. Number two, usually things that are that complex, um, like, you know, the borderline example is extreme, but I, I just, it kind of, um, 
you know, there are plenty, I'm sure people who are listening have plenty of bosses and leaders of companies that probably are unpredictably crazy. Um, that's a pretty common thing because why would you want to be a CEO? I mean, it's a terrible job. You, you know, you're basically everyone else on your team gets to have all the credit when things go well. And then when things go crappy, you have to assume responsibility for it. And then even when you build out your team and you have your executives, all the biggest problems roll up to you. So like every day you wake up to a hundred problems that you have to solve. Now, I think there are things about that that can be really lovely and wonderful, but, um, but it's a very hard job. There's no question. And, and so why would somebody want to do that? Well, um, something like a borderline, for example, is, it could be a, a kind of behind some of their reasoning. But uh, uh, but anyway, um, sorry, can you repeat your question? I'm getting a little bit tangent. I'm getting off. No, no you're good. I guess it, no, it's 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 actually a fantastic tangent because the the border or the uh, the baseline question is: Are you working with people who are specifically there because they want to be there, or like a board oh, said, "Hey, this this the CEO's blowing up. We got to fix this. We need we need we need him to get help." Yeah, thank you for repeating that. Um, and and then so in that case, um, we can't help somebody who is having those kind of experiences unless they really actively want to be helped. And uh, and so it never ends well when the board is getting involved or when other, you know, when a head of HR calls and says, you know, um, and and my team, the engagement team, the one that I built that I built internally, um, in, in reboots so was my responsibility there uh, on the internal team. Um, that I have those conversations all day. So I'm coaching and then I'm having these kind of upfront high-level conversations to see how we could be helpful. Um, I mean, it's effectively sales. And, uh, and, and anytime that shows up, I'm like, we're probably not a fit. Yeah, um, this and, is just isn't going to work. explain to them, this is not going to end well. You know, <laughs> no matter, you could go to any other firm too, but I just can tell you now it's not going to end well. So when you're preparing to do, like take on a new client, are you more, obviously like, uh, you would have a, you know, discovery call or discovery discussion or, you know, whatever that looks like, but are you more spending your research or your preparation uh, for coaching on the business side or on the personal side? And so for example, like what I'm thinking through in my head is if I said, Jeff, I want to work with you and you say, okay, Matt, like, you know, tell me your story, tell me how you think I can help, whatever. Are you spending time understanding my industry or are you spending more time understanding me as a person? Um, Definitely more of you as a person, and even industry is not is not that relevant to the work that we do. Um, it can be, but we're not actually advising on major market decisions that we might help a client think through those decisions. That's not actually our work uh, or our work to be done. Um, there are a lot of people out there who are far better um, and experts within an industry, and and to pretend like I can be an expert in you know, I don't know, I probably have 20 clients in 12 different industries. Within, I mean, many of them are in the startup space, but they're tackling different problems in different in different markets. And so, for me to be an expert in any space would be really challenging. And and on top of that, um, you know, the CEO that we're working with, for example, they they're going to know so much more um, about the industry they're working in. So our job is to not be an expert in the industry or even advise in terms of advice. Our job is, uh, um, you know, think of it like uh, um, Google Maps. Google Maps can get you anywhere in the world, but it needs two coordinates. Where are you now and where are you trying to go? Um, and that's really our job as coaches is to help you move from where you are to where you want to go. Um, I mean, the root of the word in Latin is, um, I believe it's in Latin, is, uh, is it means to travel. You know, so when you fly coach 
fly coach or take a coach in buggy. That's essentially what coach is. It's about helping you uh, transport a move, travel forward in a direction. So that's really the starting point in the conversation for us is always understanding um, where are you and where are you trying to go? And then from there, figuring out, well, what are the gaps or what are the barriers? Where are the points of resistance? Um, and those points of resistance might be business related. They might be, um, you know, this happens all the time. Uh, CEO has an early employee who was really helpful in the beginning, but now they've gone out and raised a series A or even a series B. And that employee often, more often than not, those early employees, they run their course. They're, they're really good generalists, but you need people now who can specialize. And it can be a real challenge for those individuals to find their space in the organization now. But what you'll notice is the CEO will feel really bad about having that conversation. And so all of a sudden you create, there's this toxicity that starts to spread where that employee is disgruntled and now it's having a cultural impact and all the other people that they're hiring are like, why is this person around? Clearly not, they don't fit here anymore. Um, and you can just see how the, that has a cascading effect. Well, that uh, is, it would be about, you know, helping that CEO see what the, what this delay is causing um, and the impact it's having on the organization. Um, you know, in, in another situation, it might be there's um, a CEO has uh, has money issues. They grew up in poverty and now they're um, trying to raise $10 million and it just feels so terrible. Like almost uh, they feel the guilt of it being like having all this money or, or reaching for all this money when, when all their family is struggling or whatever. I mean, this, there's a bunch of ways this could play out, but that would be a very personal um, you know, the, the attention there would be very personal. So it's very individual. Individual. We, we don't have any boilerplate models. We don't believe that there's a, a best practice. Um, you know, there's certainly best practices for like how to run a meeting, some of that stuff. But in general, uh, we don't approach it that way. And, and so every situation is so unique. And it's really just about how do we get you to where you want to go? Um, and what is it going to take? That's, <laughs> I both of those scenarios, I can certainly see how that would wear a lot on a C, you know, on a CEO or, you know, higher level person one from just like, I think about how tied I am to our personal team. And I believe our personal team can, I got really fortunate that we could take us a long way, but I could see how if, you know, one of our core people that five years down the road sort of sizzled out, but they wanted to keep going, but they weren't a good fit for the company. That would be personally pretty wearing. I could see how that, that, that would require somebody to work through that with you. Yeah, and you can imagine that what's the what's the holdup? Is it a business decision? Um, is it a personal thing, or does the CEO um, have issues with wanting everyone to like them? I mean, you know that you, it's like even that in that situation, you could you could argue there's many different points of entry uh, for for the work itself and is, is some of the causation of it. So um, so that's again why why we really come at it from this very much a uh, okay. What we need to do is get you someplace. And we need to know where you are and where you want to go. That's what we need to start with. But then how do we get you there? It's so unique for every individual and every organization. Um, and that's the joy of this work. I think it's why I've, I've been in it for so long and I intend to be in it for a very long time because every day is like I have no I wake up and have no idea what's going to happen in my day. Um, I just know that I have meetings set up. I know that I'm going to see people and I don't know what what fires they're putting out or dealing with or where they are in, in their journey with their companies or even individually. And that's that's the fun of it is uh, it's always a surprise and it's always a, it's like a constantly putting, you know, doing puzzles. What would be and I, I think you used this term a little bit ago. Uh, I think you said point of entry with without obviously disclosing anything personal about your clients but what would be the typical or most frequent reason that somebody's coming to you like what are they trying to solve 
at least to start? Oh, that's such a good question. Um, uh, you know, it's well, what's funny is everybody comes in thinking that what they want is one thing, and it's usually not what what it is that they ultimately want. Um, yeah, it's a really good question. We, um, for a while, um, my team and I were putting together themes. So we just high level because there's a lot of confidentiality in our work, um, even within our firm. Uh, like I'll coach with an, uh, an executive and I'll have maybe a couple of colleagues working with other executives in the company. And we won't actually often even know, like I have visibility in that because I'm in the internal team, but, um, but most of the coaches, we actually don't know who's working in the same company and we don't talk about it uh, because our confidentiality is so extreme. Um, but uh, we did want to try to capture that question because we have mar we're you know we we have a marketing team and we want to make sure our information is is hitting on the, the right things and um, so I started putting together some themes like what's showing up um, and uh, we couldn't th th it's really been hard to even find the patterns there um, it's so different for everybody but um, uh, if I had to like speak really broadly uh, maybe um, you know a lot of a lot of it is wanting to be seen. Um, wanting to feel like, uh, you know, the executive feels like they're enough. Um, they're trying to to prove something through their company, and um, and you, we kind of helping them realize there's nothing to prove. And um, and then, you know, it's a complex thing, but things like that I think is probably the most prevalent in in these roles. Is you have people who are reaching for something that is a bit of a fallacy. So if I just get to my next round of funding, then everything will be okay, and I can prove myself, and I'll I'll show everybody how great I am. And then they get to the next round of funding and it's, that didn't happen. It didn't work out that well. Um, they still kind of feel the same way. And now it's like, well, if I get to the next round of funding and then it's if I sell my company and there's this kind of constant drive towards the next thing. And um, a lot of times, um, you know, folks that are that driven, they'll wake up and be like, this isn't working. Um, you know, I keep reaching for more and it's not working. So things like that, you know, again, in broad strokes, but it is really hard to, uh, to really get down and say, here's the, here's the four patterns we see um, over and over again, but um, it's usually around belonging, love, and um, fear. Um, as, as my CEO Jerry will say, um, I think those are the three things he says. To forgive me, but um, uh, it's what is it Monday morning? So, but uh, yeah, so that, that's you know. So again, there's not really a great common thread. It's it's mostly human related issues and a lot of just pain and trying to help people work through it. It's it's hilarious you mentioned about the whole fallacy about hey you close the next round of funding and and uh, all all your life is going to be uh, much happier now and you're going to be ready, you know obviously personally you and I have talked back and forth about us going through our round and stuff like that and the stress that that you know just how much that personally wore on me. We uh, we I, I knew that we had we we had our round wrapped up. Everybody who was committed was committed, and just like the week leading up to that, I was just like exhausted, like truly like. I'm not somebody who ever really struggles with energy, but it's like, I don't want to get out of bed. I'm just, you know, I'm just beat here. And they, uh, you know, the, the money was wired in great. Every, you know, I checked my computer, saw it. Okay. And the next day I woke up and I was like, okay, sweet. I'm still exhausted. Like nothing changed. And I think I had it in my head that like something was going to be different and it's, it's, it's not. And it's so true that it's like, whatever the magical sauce to all that is, but you can't believe that the next, you know, one big moment is going to solve all the problems of everything to come. So anyways, I, I can definitely resonate with that. Well, it's, 
I mean, there's, why do uh, celebrities and, you know, the, these executives that end up on the cover of Forbes, why do they turn to things like drugs and, uh, you know, that, like, uh, just some pretty horrifying behaviors. And uh, um, I don't mean to laugh at that. I just, just a variety of things that kind of come up and, uh, um, and it's actually quite heartbreaking, but, but you have to kind of step back and say, well, what is it? These are folks that should have it all. They sold their company for a billion dollars on the cover of Forbes and why are they self-destructing? Well, the whole journey to that final moment where they hit that pinnacle, you know, point in their career, the whole journey was fueled by hope. If I just get to the next round, then everything will be okay. If I, and then once they get to the next round, well, if I just get to the, you know, the, the larger round, if I just get to the acquisition or uh, whatever, right? Um, you can see that it's it's really driven by hope um, in this example. And then uh, and then when they get to the top. And they've hit the point where there's really nowhere else to go. I mean, after you've sold a company for a billion dollars, let's say, like, what is a $5 billion company? At that point, it, it's, it doesn't matter, you know. Um, now, they're, they're uh, in the same place they were before. They still feel exactly as they felt before, but now there's no more hope, right? There's no more if I get to the next level, it'll be okay. So I often will tell clients or people who are exploring working with us, they actually, the, based on what I'm hearing, um, the worst thing you could do is succeed um, because it's a heck of a lot worse than not succeeding because at least you're, at least you have that hope in the back of your head the whole time. So, um, so you know, that, that's, a, a, of course, an example. Um, again, there's a variety of things here, but, um, but that's certainly something that, that we see, uh, certainly I see fairly frequently. I would, I would imagine my colleagues would agree with that too. So as a theoretically, I'm on a much smaller scale, but potentially somebody who, I feel like your type of work on the coaching side, I could greatly value from. So when is like, uh, well, I think about it in like, just like counseling, I need to go see a counselor. And by the time I come to that realization, I should have done it, you know, three, four five steps ago. When do you feel like is like the first like recognition that somebody that you would often deal with or somebody who should approach your type of work? What, like, what, what is a good, first signaling factor and maybe it's personal counseling or maybe it's professional you know business coaching or whatever that that mixes but when would you say is like a good starting point for somebody to to be thinking through that um yeah it's a really good question i mean there's there's at a high level i think we should we all you know of course i'm going to be really biased because i'm in this in this world so i understand the bias bias here um but you know we all need somebody there uh, in our corner, who's who's able to both, you know, really be focused on our well-being um, and on the well-being of what we're trying to get to, because um, you know the the challenge and a big part of what coaching is is just mirroring back to people what they can't see, uh, but it's very present with them. Um, it's like a fish in water. You know, there's that metaphor that um, sometimes overused, but it's it's actually really helpful. A fish in water doesn't water. If you ask the fish about water and it could communicate with you, look at you with a puzzled look. It's not until fish has the experience of not water, um, when it has context and contrast, that it then realizes what water that water even exists in the first place. And second to that, and even and perhaps more importantly in the context of this conversation, once the, the fish realizes that there is such thing as water, it now has choice about it. Um, and I think that's one of the biggest challenges in this work um and and to to kind of back up my answer why i believe everyone should be 
seeking some sort of guidance, whether it's coaching or not, it doesn't matter what, what form it is, but it's um, being able to, to have others um, be able to, to, to mirror to us what we're experiencing so we can start to see how we are experiencing the world, how we're making choices, whether as an individual or within the context of our company. Um, because as soon as we start to realize that, number one, we can recognize what's happening. Number two, we can then actually make choice about it. Um, and, and I think so, you know, when one's a good place to start, it's kind of like it's always a good place to start or, or time to start. It's always a good time to uh, to seek some form of counsel. Um, you know, like my wife and I, we uh, we go to a couples counselor and, uh, you know, do we have like do we need couples counseling in, in the traditional sense? No, we have a really, really strong marriage and we've always had a strong relationship. Um, but we go because we also recognize that there's areas in our marriage that need need attention, that we can't see the, the loops that we get into and the fights we get into that recur over and over again. Um, and it's quite remarkable how even in a strong marriage, how much stronger it's getting because of that. So um, I'm a firm believer. And of course, again, I'm biased because this is my work. So of course, I'm going to say this, but I actually do really believe that um, everyone, you know, it's helpful to seek counsel. And, um, uh, and, and by the way, that's one of the most important questions you can ask a coach if you're, if you're evaluating coaches, who's your coach? That's the question you should ask the coach. And uh, you'd be surprised how many people who are in our industry don't actually have coaches or therapists. You know, like I have like five people I work with just to keep myself in tune and keep keep improving and growing, you know. So that's a, it's also just a great question to ask uh, anyone that you work with. If they don't work with the service they offer in this industry, um, they're probably not not a great coach or certainly are not buying into the work. So along that lines, uh this might be a question you we'll, we'll see if you want to answer it. It's okay if you don't want to, but okay. do you ever feel like you're not uh, like, do you ever feel like you're not qualified to help somebody through something? Oh, all the time. Yeah. All the time. It's um, <clears throat> it's an, it's a really natural thing to question your, your ability. Um, and you also have to remember um, why would anyone get into this work? Um, and, and I believe that people that are drawn to coaching, executive coaching, life coaching, therapy, therapist, psychotherapy tend to be, they tend to have started their, their, um, life with more problems than most of the people they help. It's what draws us to the work. And, uh, um, the, the difference there is the folks that are really good at this work are the ones that, um, are committed to doing the work and have a humility about their journey that I don't have all the answers and actually I'm never going to. Um, what I see often in this space is people who are in a lot of pain get drawn to life coaching or, you know, their gurus, <laughs> the blog gurus online or their coaches or therapists. And um, what they end up doing, and you'll see this, you can feel it in their writing or their speech speaking, or even if you work with them, you'll notice that um, they, uh, they're the authority on everything. So they have answers for everything. And, uh, and they do that because the safest place to hide from their pain is to actually be the authority with all the answers, right? Cause then you never have to, you, you never have to face your own stuff. Like I've got the answer. I'm the guru on the stage. So I, this industry does attract, I'd say more often than not, um, a world of people who are actually in a lot, a lot of pain and they're not willing to address it. Um, those that are really talented in this work are the ones that, um, are willing to face that stuff and recognize the pain that they have and recognize the discomfort 
I mean, I think my CEO, um, one of the founders of our company, Jerry Colonna, is the great. He's a great example of this in his book he just wrote, and it's done really well, called Reboot. Same title as our company, on uh, its leadership and the art of growing up is the subtitle. But in it, you'll learn Jerry, who's you know he coaches um, most of the companies. I can't say publicly, but um, I mean, if you if you had a, if you want to do this work, and you're like, who are my dream clients? That's who Jerry works with. I mean, it's just remarkable. Um, how many people he works with? Uh, well, like Krista Tippett, who does the On Being podcast, is a client. That's public knowledge. Um, he works with the CEO of Etsy, who's now one of my colleagues. Um, he's also one of our coaches. But I mean, it, like, and it just that's just the tip of the iceberg. And uh, and Jerry, who's this guy who's coaching the top people uh, in a variety of industries, um, if you read his book, he needs, he just so vulnerably lays out a story, and he's like. I was a mess. I mean, grew up with a, a alcoholic father and a mom who was borderline, or a, I think she's borderline, but you know, diagnosed as um, it was like a schizophrenic, narcissistic, or something else, or bipolar. I forget. I forget how she was, how it was laid out. But regardless of whatever, the, it was not a happy childhood, and it was a real struggle uh, for him. And he actually at one point tried to commit suicide. And um, and what's really enabled him to do this work is to face that and he's faced that with um uh, and he faces it every day it's not something he's resolved but you know to get back to your question um do i ever ask wonder if i'm qualified I, you know all the time because for me i'm always in this journey of learning and growing and asking those hard questions and doing the work and it's never i never hit a point where i'm going to say i've got it all figured out and so because of that <clears throat> i'm sort of Oh, I, I know that in five years from now, I'm going to look back on today and be like, what was I thinking? You know, I'll probably listen to this interview after it goes out and be like, God, I sound like such an idiot because I've grown since I did this interview. And so I, I think <laughs> I of it know, as I'm always I don't, about, in, I don't know about idiot, but I do get what you're going with. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's like I'm always in the middle, right? We yeah. are always in the middle if we're willing to really recognize that. I mean, we look back at people 200 years ago and think how stupid were they? And we then have the arrogance to think that people 200 years from now aren't going to feel the same about us. Like, no, we're always in the middle. So, um, so yeah, so to answer your question, like very much so I, I, I have that experience all the time and, and, you know, and I just gotten comfortable with it. It's like, but the nice thing about this work is I don't need to have the answers. My goal, my job is not to be an expert on anything. My job is to help someone else find the answer. And, um, and that I, I know I'm, I'm good at. And so I'm going to keep getting better at that, but I can at least trust that my job is not to be the expert. My job is to be the the person that can support and, and guide. And, and that's a little bit of a different place too. So, um, so yeah. Love it. Love it. Well, I guess on that note, um, this is sort of a two part question. Maybe it's the same answer, but my, my first question would be, you know, what is, what is the influence that you hope to have? And then I think my second question kind of wrapping that up and I, I feel like they might kind of overlap, but you know, ultimately what is it that gets you out of bed the morning the most? Yeah. I mean, I, I it's, um, I, I actually tell my clients this and it, it's funny, um, you know, you would think that I'm this like very altruistic, um, like all service to others person because I do this work. Um, and yes, I, I would say that's probably true, but what's my primary reason for doing this work? I do it because I love it. Like, like it's, it's actually really selfish, um, from that lens. I don't, I don't have some like illusion, you know, illusion about, um, saving the world. That's not, I'm not out to save the world. I'm not out to, uh, um, you know, to like change lives. So that is, that is a, 
it is an effect of the work, certainly, that people have profound experiences and um, and their feedback is there and the, and the track record's there. But um, why do I do it? I do it because I love it. And um, and to me, and this is something I, I do address with clients all the time, if you're not doing work because you love it or if you're not doing it for your own reasons, um, it's not sustainable. You know, um, when you go out with some big, big why that is like, I'm going to change the world, like that's not a sustainable thing. Like think if you imagine if you were Superman or Superwoman, like when, when would you get a day off? Right. Um, that would be the hardest job in the world because you would never actually be able to, to stop um, your very identity as a hero um, of trying to, you know, save the world or whatever. That that identity requires you're always saving people. And that's exhausting. Um, and if I was Superman, I would probably be like, screw this. I'm out after about five minutes. Like, this is the worst because, uh, you know, he's never going to actually like resolve that fully. Never going to change, solve the, you know, the world's never going to be. Um, 100% perfect. So my point being that <clears throat> we can drive towards better outcomes. We can focus on improvement and constantly evolving, and which is seems to be part of our journey here, at least my my um, experience of it. But at the same time, if I'm not doing it because I love it, then then it's kind of wasteful. So so that really is the motivator for me. It's really the thing that I love. I love the the learning and the constant puzzles and and uh, all of that, and then the effect of that. Um, is that um, you know people have profoundly positive experiences. They meet partners. They have much better marriages. I mean, you know, there's all these like ancillary effects, and we're talking about their company. You know, it's this wild thing because we're not excluding the human in them. Um, and and then on top of that, their companies have you know better experiences. The teams communicate more effectively. They're able to raise more money. They're able to have more of the experiences they want. And the whole point of they started the company in the first place. So, um, so yeah, so, so it's, it's a little bit different than maybe others might say, but I, I don't know any of my colleagues that don't do this work because they love it. Uh, they truly are, are um, driven by the joy of the work itself. Um, and then the secondary effect, of course, is that they, they get to have an influence and impact on others. Jeff, that's absolutely amazing. So I guess, I mean, I want to give you an opportunity. Is there anything else you want to leave the audience with? I mean, I, I suppose it's, uh, you know, my, my hope in these conversations is um, uh, is to open a door, I suppose. It's not, um, you know, I, I have no, like, whether people choose to go work with a coach or not is irrelevant to me. It's simply... Um, when we're just open to the possibilities of what we can learn and grow. And, um, you know, in the case of the work I do, it's through working with companies, but, um, and leaders within companies, but uh, I guess my just hope or, or invitation or, um, you know, intention for these conversations, I suppose is just to, to hopefully, um, open a door to just be curious, you know, what, what can we learn about ourselves? What, what can we, um, gain or grow through just being a little curious about, um, who we are in the context, in this case of context of being a CEO or a leader in a company, but, um, you know, and what that looks like, there's no, there's no right way. Um, whether you see a therapist or you just, um, have coffee with your buddies every so often and have a chat about what's going on for you, or, um, you know, maybe you're a little bit more vulnerable with your partner or, uh, or you see a coach or whatever. I mean, whatever the intervention is, whatever the thing that feels right, um, that's just the most important thing here is um, it's just that kind of being open to what we can learn about ourselves and how that can have a positive effect. And, um, and so, so yeah, so I think that was the thing I offer is just, you know, anyone 
who's out there listening and finds any of this curious, then, uh, then follow that curiosity and see where it takes you. And, uh, and wherever it takes you is probably important, whatever, whatever that means or whatever it is. Love it. Love it. Well, Jeff, thank you so much for being a guest on the podcast. Yeah, Matt, thanks for having me on.